And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly. This is Adventures in Woo Woo. Back out in nature, or beside a stream. This is about the 10th time I've tried to record this video. <laughs> and I keep stopping because I keep making mistakes, or I go, that's not what I wanted to say. Blah. Anyway, this week what I wanted to do was go back to a couple of questions I got last week from the question and answer, the monthly question and answer that we do here on the channel. And the reason why I didn't answer them within those, that question and answer is I wanted to spend a bit more time just on the topics at hand, rather than just throwing them in with a number of other questions that were unrelated. So the three questions were mostly around awakening in some sense. The first one from Mark was more about the HGA, which is the Holy Guardian Angel, and specifically about the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel, which is, I suppose, a thing that happens <laughs> that we're um, particularly well known within telemic or telemic. I can never know which way to pronounce it. I've heard both um, circles where you find out about your Holy Guardian Angel and you converse with it and it's like one of the stages along the way to, let's say, awakening, or enlightenment, becoming a god, whatever you want to do, or union. Um, the second question was from Abraxas, and it was about the idea of that, is there too much emphasis in one sense put on this whole kind of drive towards awakening, or people getting lost within the kind of sphere of trying to awaken, and forgetting the actual practical hard work thing of spirituality, where, you know, the kind of, there's this notion, I suppose, of that uh, uh, the jhanas and the vijanas, which I suppose the, the greater enlightenment, the whole, you have the whole kit and caboodle, um, yeah, but what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What's the usefulness with it? And I suppose that brings in the whole idea of the bodhisattvas and stuff like that. Max then, I was going to say interjected, but he didn't. He just kind of replied to the comment saying that being a person who's read an awful lot about awakening, but what, what wouldn't consider himself to have had an awakening experience, um, he's kind of come across the, the idea that awakening, or the lust, I suppose, for awakening, or the drive towards awakening, awakening is a misapprehension that kind of falls away at some point. So I wanted to talk a bit about my whole experience of, of awakenings, um, and what I think they are, and what's the usefulness about them. Um, the whole thing with awakening, um, or enlightenment, I prefer the word awakening, I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, where there's a whole side of things where people say you shouldn't talk about your experiences because in one sense that's kind of, I suppose, showing off, it's elitism, it's creating a hierarchy between those who are awakened and those who aren't. There's kind of a, you know, it's seen as kind of bad manners, bad form, egotistical. And an awful lot of the, the kind of um, schools or the kind of theories or the approaches to that would say never to talk about your awakening experiences. I right, understand that, that I completely agree in many ways that that can all happen. It can become an egotistical experience and it can become a hierarchical in a bad way uh, where you have two sets of people. Or even worse, you've uh, <laughs> non-awakened, awakened and supremely awakened type people. But then also that because this is the thing that happens and, and if you make it a secret and you don't talk about it, when these experiences happen to people, they've nowhere to go, they've nowhere to discuss it because they'll go, oh, I don't know anything about this. And there's this kind of fake dishonesty, a disingenuousness about the whole thing. It's kind of saying, well, I've had these experiences, but I'm not talking about them. And there's kind of, it can be a kind of an underhanded bragging that goes on with that, that, um, well, no one who is awakened uh, pointing, you know, secretly to themselves would, would, uh, would suggest that they are awakened. And that's all kind of stuff. So I think there's two points to be made about that, where don't talk about it, but also, you know, leave trails, leave clues, help people out, you know, and, and let's not pretend these isn't a thing that happens. Let's, let's not pretend that these aren't experiences that are happening. 
let's not maybe put them on such a pedestal that it becomes this kind of unholy goal that we all have to, this, you know, holy grail type thing, which is, in a certain sense, happening. I, where would I put myself on the kind of scale of things, I suppose? I'd never say I'm awakened. I say I've had awakening experiences. I've been quite opening about uh, and talked about my awakening experiences, but I have no way I would claim enlightenment, mastership, or, or in any kind of way have some sort of hierarchical thing where I'm awakened and you're not. Because it's definitely, it doesn't feel like that. Um, I would situate, but I'll, I'll explain it in this way. In hanging around an awful lot with Fairchley, with Christopher Wallace, Harish, and he is a, he's a kind of tantric outlook and things, Shiva tantrism. And within that, he talks about that the whole notion of awakening was that it wasn't that you suddenly got all the knowledge of the world and you were one with the universe or that you, uh, you know, every detail was clear to you. It was that you were no longer able to go back to sleep. That you had an experience or you had an insight or you had something which no longer made it possible for you to go back to sleep, to believe the glamour of the world, the illusion of the world or other unhelpful terms like that. But that it was something had shifted in you and you couldn't ever go back to sleep. Not that anything fundamental changed about the world or creation, but just that your shifting had, had kind of happened. Um, it's similar to Gordon White's notion of becoming invincible, which he talks about in Chaos Protocols, or it's like steam entry in the Buddhist type thing. It's that first thing that happens, that it's your first glimpse of God or divinity or whatever words you want to use of non-materialism alone. Um, that means you can't go back. And then in a sense, the HGA is an experience of that. The glimpse of the angel at the beginning is kind of letting you know that these things are going on. So that could be argued as the first, uh, or the actual co co conver knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel could equally be seen as steam entry. My apologies to Marco for, uh, <laughs> uh, in advance. Um, so I would say that, yes, I, I have had experiences that I ha cannot go back to sleep on. And therefore, in that sense, I'm awake. Um, and I want to explain it to you through the, the use of a parable. I'll do my best Jesus impression. Well, it's more an analogy, so it's not a Jesus impression. Say you are happily married, and you've been happily married to the same, to this woman, say, just for the sake of argument, for the last 20 years. As far as you're concerned, you can see you have a great life, you've bought a house together, you know, everything is going great. And then one day you discover that for the last 10 years, she's been sleeping with your brother, and your whole life falls apart. Now, the interesting thing with that is that you can't unsee that or you can't go back. You can't, you've awakened to the truth of that. So you can't go back to sleep on it. You can pretend, you can kind of um, suppress it, you can act like it hasn't happened, but you can never not know that knowledge. And fundamentally, nothing has changed in the world, but your entire life has changed. Your past has changed, your relationship with all your friends have changed who knew about it or didn't know about it. Your relationship with your brother has changed, your relationship with your wife has changed, but nothing actually has changed about what was going on in the world at all. It's just that your awareness of it, it's like you've seen the man behind the curtain and now you can't unsee that the Wizard of Oz is in fact, you know, just, just a human like the rest of us. So that's in a sense what I mean by awakening in that you can't no longer go back to sleep on something. You, you're no longer able to, I suppose, um, pretend it isn't the truth. Well, yes, well, you can pretend, but you're no longer able to do it. You get what I'm saying, you get what I drift. So becoming invincible, steam entry that I would say yes that that is something that I have experienced
I think after that awakening becomes kind of like, I don't think it's as, as clear cut and as stages as people like to suggest. I think they're helpful maps, but as we all know, maps not the territory, the meal is not the menu. Um, and if you look at certain different experiences that I've had or other people have had, some of it comes from this, you know, depending on the map you're losing, some of it comes there. So, you know, uh, in that stage, some of it's a bit from here. And I think I kind of, once I kind of started looking at it that way and kind of uncovering the different kind of insights that I were having, I kind of, the map thing kind of fell away. It may come back, but uh, it seemed more the map thing about collecting badges, collecting uh, accolades and putting yourself within a hierarchy at least to me, uh, in the bad sense of putting yourself in the hierarchy of specialness, putting yourself in a special place, um, rather than just in where you are. So then going to, uh, so with the HEA experience, that's what that I would say, Mark, that's what it feels like to me, that it, it's, a, it's a first, it's the steam entry, becoming, a, a, um, becoming invincible, all of that, along with the other experience I had, particularly that one in the forest, where my uh, damaged self from my darkness and my um, unadulterated self appeared and had a wonderful experience, I talked about it and I literally made the video just down there all about it actually. Um, that was a huge catalyst coming out from the therapy that I had done an awful lot, a lot of work I had done on myself. That one I also talked about where I was in a monastery and I was in the garden and it suddenly dawned on me that I was in uh, the garden of Gethsemane and I was also, uh, which meant it was the place of ultimate betrayal, the place where you had to stand up for yourself, where you, had, where, you know, where the rubble met the road, where this was actually happening, you know, all of this was built, so it was the place of ultimate betrayal, this where Judas kisses Jesus, but I also noticed that every tree was the tree under which the, uh, the Buddha gained enlightenment, so it was like the nature of this place is both ultimate betrayal, <laughs> but also ultimate enlightenment. And while that's a dualistic kind of view, it's not, it, it's more like a, a polarity than two separate things. Um, then of course we had uh, the experience where some form of divinity, or my own brain, whichever you want to, to, to look at it, uh, came and had a chat with me and explained about the nature of things and how the role was, you know, that the, in relation to divinity and me is like a father-son relationship um, and that the truth is kind of, while it's true for what it is, it's an ultimate truth and there will always be a more ultimate truth. If you want to know more about them, I have done them on the podcast and I have talked about them on the blog. But any more reason to bring them up to say, all of that kind of um, resulted in me awakening in the sense of I can't go back to sleep. I've crossed a threshold of experience and insight that I can't subsequently suppress or ignore. And it has changed I keep wanting to going to say change fundamentally how I view the world. It hasn't changed. How I view it. The world has not changed in any way. My orientation to it has. But then going on to a Braxis thing that says, right, grand, <laughs> you know, cool, well done. Um, but is that the goal? And it, in one sense, I kind of, I do feel it is the goal, but it's like the goal, it's the first goal. You know, it's like the starting point. It's, it's where the work actually begins. And, uh, and then where Max is kind of saying the misapprehension of you know, the striving towards awakening. It's definitely, it's, it's a problem. Uh, and I had it. <laughs> and, it's, and I think um, it's a problem that we, a lot of people I interact with have. That it kind of, it's the striving that is stopping you from having it. And it was the, the directionality of where awakening seems to appear, it, I felt was there. And it's not, it's here. It's allowing it. It's not in finding it. 
and I think this striving, this lust for result towards awakening is going in the opposite direction, what you already have it. Which I understand would not have been helpful had someone said that a year ago, but it's, it's also the, the kind of truth. So I would say, I, I give a, I'll do my Jesus impression again, give another analogy. I wish there were parables. Just talk about seeds and trees and give out about fig trees. But um, this, this analogy only works uh, pre-internet because everything has changed since then. But say you were in a band and all you were kind of your goals and all your kind of energy and all that was towards getting signed, getting a record contract. And this was all where it was going towards. And once you get that, that's it, you know, you'd made it. And most bands never get signed. 99.999% of bands didn't get signed um, and didn't make it. But those who did and got the record contract realized in getting the record contract that that was the start of it. They hadn't made it. Now the actual work begins. And that to me, in a sense, is kind of what it feels like the awakening thing is that while there's this big strive towards it, it's just a starting point. But that's not to say to discount it either, because there's something in it that having accepted it or whatever is the correct word, that grasping, that kind of needing, longing, yearning for or frustration is gone and has, it's just disappeared. And that's definitely helpful. That's extremely helpful because it's taken an awful lot of my energy and time and, you know, making my life very unpleasant and kind of thinking I was missing out or that, why isn't it happening to me? And you know, this kind of frustration, anger, contraction, it's a contraction. Of course, awakening or whatever word we want to use for it is the opposite of that. And so, it, it, to go back to the, the kind of the overall thing, I suppose, uh, and what Abraxas was talking about, I think, it is kind of worth pursuing because I think that you know you become more useful in a sense to yourself and the universe and creation when you have more knowledge of who you are, or what your situation is, or your place in the world, or whatever these things are. Um, but I don't think it's like the, it's not the goal, and people seem to have put it up in a pedestal. It's, that's the thing. Once I have that, once I'm awake, then everything else would sort itself out. And it's like no, once you kind of have a taste of it, having an awakening experience or, or whatever it is, you realise. Now the work has to be done. And that's not to say that you can't do the work beforehand because there's an awful lot of work that I had to do in order to have the insights I've had. Which ultimately, like just less, I'll be honest, may turn out to be completely and utterly false or misapprehensions. The nature of awakening or these type of things doesn't seem to be universal in how it affects people. In that if you're, there's a book called Enlightenment Now and people have all these awakening experiences and draw massively different conclusions out of it. Atheists become, you know, theists, theists become atheists doesn't change some people, it fundamentally changes people where they know there's definitely life after death, other people have awakening experience and they definitely know there's no life after death. And I think that was kind of what the nature of my visitation from divinity was saying, that the truth, it's, it's true for now. It's not saying it's a lie, it's not going to be proved falsible, it's not the whole truth. And so ultimately my kind of experience of all this might be wrong, bunny ears wrong, but it's also true for now, which is true enough. But all of the work you had to do to get there to realize of all of the work I had to do and if you do see awakening as the end goal as my German teacher would <laughs> used to say you're in for a rude awakening literally there you go that's quite clever not clever quite interesting so a rude awakening if you if you re if you have it as your goal and certainly if you start making yourself special because of it 
and I think one of the dangers has come back to what I was saying at the beginning of not talking about these things is that it becomes a special thing. People have fall for the trap of the chosen one because if no one else is talking about these experiences, you think you're the only one having them and so you must be special. But again, to reiterate what I said at the beginning, talking about them in the sense of, you can talk about them in a sense of being special too, so that you fall for the trap on both sides of the things. But there's so much not talking about it and not enough talking about it to normalize it, to naturalize it, to make it okay, to make it a discussion that people are allowed to have a healthy discussion around. I've had someone awakening without feeling embarrassed about it, without feeling like they're bragging. Even in this and me talking about it, I kind of feel like, well, this sounds like I'm, bigging up myself or bragging and it's, that's because of the cultural or the indoctrination about you shouldn't talk about these things because if you talk about yourself having gained something or progressed in some way that it's egotistical and I'm trying my best not to come from an egotistical place because I don't feel special because of this. I don't feel that I'm better than anyone else because of this. I don't feel I'm in a higher plane than anyone else or any of these things that is purported, that word again, uh, by people who espouse the dangers of talking about these things. I feel, if anything, humbled. I feel, if anything, um, more aware of the work that has to be done, more aware of what I have to do, more aware of this, I don't know, I was gonna say sadness, it's not the right word. And there's something, ultimately, I think, um, more genuine about people who start in magic and are doing a sigil to find their lost love, to get their girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other back, or to pay the rent. There's something more honest in that than this kind of quest, in a sense, for awakening or specialness or talking about that. It's just, it's, I need this, I want this, I'm open I, to it. That I think in that kind of low magic, problematic words, low magic, high magic, kind of regard, there can be something that's a bit more honest about it, because I think in this kind of pursuit of awakening, we can forget about the problems of the world because we start to see it as glamour or as an illusion, as something that isn't real and not my problem. Uh, and while it's not your fault or not necessarily the entire, to fix the world is your responsibility, you can fix your own life. And that spiritual bypassing thing of, of going, well, none of it's real, it's all illusion, um, I'm one with spirit, I'm an ascended master, I'm an awakened, I'm enlightened, I don't have to deal with this. Um, it's less honest than someone just doing a sigil going, I want to get laid. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, something, there's something closer in that to the truth of things than the chase or the lust for specialness within awakening or awakening as your goal. Um, I don't think there's... Uh, much else I, I really want to say in that. I'd like to have a discussion around it. I'd like to, to like, what the thing, the Baptist head uh, back in the day was about, can we talk about these things so that it's not that big of a deal? You know, and if we, if, if we come from the place that awakening is possible, then people should be becoming awake. People should be having these experiences. And if they're not, why? You know, so let, let's open it up and uh, yeah, talk about, talking about it, not talking about it. Um, your, your awakening experiences and how, how they've kind of situated you in your life, does it feel like the world has changed in nature or does it just feel that your orientation to world, the world has changed? Do you feel an awakening is more than just not being able to go back to sleep? What's your thoughts around uh, uh, all this? I'm very interested to hear. Um, so yeah, I'm just, there's always something I had, I don't know, there's a section that, uh, at one end of the awakening thing that I just can't remember to talk about, so maybe I'm not meant to talk about it. So good people of the internet, 
20 minutes is long enough for me to be babbling by a babbling brook. Um, have a good, 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 good week. And uh, next week will be the, the divinations, the monthly divinations. And uh, yeah, may your best days be ahead. And as always, be well, genuinely, be well, from my heart to your heart.